Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Wonderful singing. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Thank you for being here. It's wonderful to see our visitors with us this morning. We're so very glad to have those of you who are joining us online. You've all heard the probably most famous joke about preachers that they only work how many days a week? One day a week, right? Clint reminds me of that very often. There's another joke that I, that I read, and uh, it said this. A preacher died and was in line to get into heaven. There was a guy in front of him in line, and the preacher asked him, What did you do in your life? The guy replied, Well, I was a bus driver, but I stole and, and cheated and broke the law a whole lot. The preacher said, well, in my life, I was a preacher. I always gave to charity, and I was nice to people, and I gave the longest sermons. Eventually, the bus driver walked up to Peter, and they talked for a few minutes, and then the bus driver was let into heaven. The preacher walked up to Peter, and Peter asked him, so what did you do in your life? The preacher said, well, I was a preacher. I always was always doing good things and following the commandments. Do I get to go into heaven? Peter answered, uh, I don't know. What? You don't know? The preacher exclaimed. Then how come the bus driver got into heaven? And Peter said, because when you gave your sermons, everyone was always asleep. But when he drove his bus, everyone was always praying. I think there might be some truth in there somewhere. Cooper and Scott put a new battery in the clock, and uh, then Brother Scott came up to me and said, I went ahead and turned it back an hour because time changes next week, so you've got more time. I think that's how you put it, right? <laughs> he said, don't think you have more time. You don't have extra time. No, uh, there's something to... Um, we want to look at the, the subject of uh, faithful ministers, not just preachers in that word. There's different words to use, but I want to think in terms of faithful ministers. They all preach, uh, those who uh, devote themselves to that. But uh, we want to look at what Paul wrote to Timothy about being faithful, a faithful minister. He has something to say about faithful ministers. So we'll look at that today. And we'll look at that next week as well because he says quite a few things that we want to try to, to cover. And he wrote to Timothy and Titus, these two younger ministers who had learned a lot from him, uh, who he had helped train and raise up in the, in, in the ministry. And he says some really important things to them as they work in their two different locations in their different settings about being faithful ministers in their locations. So let's first turn to... 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to look at all of chapter 4, it's just 16 verses and then a couple of other places, but look at verses 1 through 5 to begin with. Paul writes to Timothy, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving 
for it is made, by, made holy by the word of God and through prayer. So he's, those are some cultural issues at that time where people who had these different teachings that uh, forbade these different things and had these different restrictions that, that Jesus didn't teach. These were not uh, uh, from God's word, but people were following that. So what he's essentially saying is these false teachings, these uh, false doctrines, uh, he's saying people are going to fall away. Sadly, people are going to fall away, he's telling Timothy. They're going to go and believe some different things that aren't in God's Word. That's not what Jesus taught. That's not in God's inspired Scripture. But people will fall away. And, and that's hard for anybody to see. We've seen that happen in people's lives and it hurts. It's, it makes us sad. It's hard to see someone fall away. And people fall away for all different kinds of reasons, don't they? But Paul is writing to Timothy to tell him, look, as tough as it is, and you're going to hate it, and, 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 and you're going to wish you, you, you could have done something had you done this, had you said that, you know, and, and we, we ask those questions. Maybe that would, they wouldn't have fallen away, but, but they did, and that's going to be hard. You've got to know that that's going to happen, unfortunately. But he says they don't fall away by accident. Someone doesn't just accidentally, they didn't mean to and they fell away. They, they were making choices in their life whether to listen to some false teachings or whether to just kind of drift away from God and do other things little by little. Or finally a tragedy happens and they just say, I'm fed up, I don't believe anymore. God can't be real if, he, if this happened. And for different reasons fall, people fall away, but it's, it's not by accident, but it's still tragic, it's still sad to us. They start listening to things, Paul is saying, oftentimes, that are not true. And so that's why faithful ministers are important. Of course, faithful elders are important, as we looked at last week. And I probably should have spent two weeks on that because there's so much there to look at, to, to look at the wonderful and important role of elders but, uh, and to spend more time in that and go through it slowly. But, but these roles make a difference in the church. And that's why Paul writes to these these Christians, these ministers, and these churches about these issues and about these roles. Because there's false teachings out there. And ministers need to be faithful to God so that people can grow in the Word of God and discern truth from error. Look at verses 6 through 10. Paul continues to tell him that a faithful minister will teach the church about error or about false teachings. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This, this saying, uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. 
So part of what a faithful minister does, Paul is saying, is that he puts these things before the brothers. What does he say? What he just said about the false teachings that people listen to when they fall away, whatever that error might be, he needs to help the church to understand there's some error and to discern truth from error. To, to understand what false doctrine is, to know what those false beliefs are out there that aren't according to Scripture, that aren't sound, that aren't spiritually healthy, that aren't found in the Word of God. He needs to point those things out. But right after he said that, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. What does he mean by that? Well, he said, okay, you got to point this stuff out, but don't, don't dwell there. Don't stay there. Don't, don't just always stay focused on what's wrong and wrong teachings and false doctrine because there, you've got to teach healthiness. You've got to help the, the, the church know the whole counsel of God. They've got to know all of Scripture, not just pointing out error. So uh, one person said, don't uh, stay just basically in the mud of error. You've got to move on to other subjects. But then he says, if you do this, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And servant here is important because that servant, that word servant in the Greek is the same word we use for deacon and minister or servant. It, that same word means all three of those things. And how do we know what uh, the Bible's talking about? We look at context. And context tells us what role or in what way that word is being used. And here in this way, even though Timothy is the, the designated minister there at the church in Ephesus, and he has roles and a role and responsibilities he has to uh, take care of, he, Paul uses this generic form of the word servant because a minister has to understand you're a servant to that church. And if you want to be a good servant in Christ Jesus, then you will do these things. In this day and age of the celebrity minister who has millions of followers on Instagram and TikTok and every week it's a different fashion show for him and, and, and all of that kind of... And, and in, and in, in, in minister, there's, there's a lot of talk about this because it's a problem. It's a phenomenon and a problem of the celebrity pastor or celebrity minister. And, and, and that, that's a big problem in Christendom. Because it puts a focus on a human being and, and maybe their talent or even their fashion or their riches or what celebrities they know or who they took a picture with, who they posed with and what pose they're doing. And the focus is nothing to do with Christ. And Paul says, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be a good servant of Christ Jesus, not a celebrity, not something like that. And so he says, uh, well, it makes reference to in Acts chapter 6, when they appointed deacons, where we see deacons for the first time, where they appointed these servants to take care of the ministry need, and the apostles uh, called this idea of minister, uh, they said, because we need to focus on the ministry of the word in Acts 6.4. So that preacher is a servant, that minister is a servant of God, just like everybody else, but his role is to focus on the ministry, the service of the word. Now he may do a lot of different things and that's fine, but his job is to focus on the ministry of the word. Now I want to point out that I'm using the word minister because I want to help convey something in our thinking 
And that I don't just mean the preacher, because that's, and I'm trying to use the way we refer to it, so I don't mean just the preacher. I'm talking about ministers. So that includes Kinley as our youth minister and someone else who might be a minister at another location, a different segment. Does that make sense? I was an involvement minister at Oldham Lane and Abilene. So, so I mean ministers, not just what we think of as the preacher. Because this applies to all of them. All of us are supposed to be uh, focused on the ministry of the Word. So a youth minister, his job isn't to just do a bunch of game, crazy games with kids and take them to Six Flags. That's not what a youth minister does. What a youth minister does is what Kinley does, and that's to minister the Word to people, a minister of the Word of God to folks. Now that may include uh, shaving cream and, 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 and all kinds of stuff and food and pizza and, and trips. That may include all that. That's fine. But what they're focused on is the ministry of the Word. Paul tells Timothy to address error, but in 7 he says, you got to move on to that. Don't get bogged down in the marshlands of error. Instead, uh, and, and overly preoccupied with false teachings. But as an athlete trains for their sport, think of all the training athletes do just to perform their, their sport, just to try to make it to the pros, just to qualify for the Olympics. It's grueling, grueling training. And he says, he says physical training is fine. That's, that's all fine and good. Nothing wrong with that. But instead of being caught up with all the false doctrines and pointing out fault and you're zeroed in on, in that all the time, here's what I want you to do. I want you to train yourself for godliness. Don't, don't, don't get washed away and preoccupied with all the error. Be aware of it, you know, inform people, educate people, but you train yourself for godliness. See, that's kind of different, you would think, but you make sure you teach on this. But he starts with the person. And as we talked about elders last week, that, that's the hardest part, isn't it? And so immediately, as soon as you start talking about the person, then that person starts feeling real quickly that, well, I don't measure up. And God knows that. God knows that, that a true servant, a good servant of Christ Jesus or a shepherd in the church, they never feel like they, they are fully qualified, like they, like they meet expectations. But they should be constantly striving for that. And Paul tells Timothy, you train yourself for godliness. You work on yourself and you get closer to Christ. Faithful ministers are supposed to be doing that. So he's telling... He's telling Timothy, you strive for godliness. Now look at verses 12 through 16. Along those lines, Paul instructs Timothy to be an example of the believers. Let no one despise your youth, for your youth, but set an example of the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid on their hands, their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on your life and your teaching, yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. So faithful ministers are supposed to set an example for the believers. And how are they supposed to set an example? In their speech and in their, uh, in their life, in their conduct, in their love, in their faith, 
and in their purity. And that's why I said train yourself for godliness. That's a lot to live up to, isn't it? No one can live up to that. No one, no one will ever feel like, should ever feel like, an honest uh, minister will ever feel like, yeah, I measure up to that. I've arrived. But Paul says, you work on that. You focus on that. You, you spend time developing your spirituality, growing spiritually for you. Now look at verse number 13. He says, here's what faithful ministers do. So a church is looking for a minister, whatever kind of minister that might be. What do you look for? Here's what you look for. Here's what a faithful minister does. Paul says they read Scripture to the church. Now, think about today. How often you can go to church in different places and hardly hear the Word of God where they will hardly crack open a Bible. Oh, they may reference a scripture. They may, they may allude to it. They may have one on the screen. They may point to it a little bit. But how often are they, are they reading to you the Word of God? And Paul says a faithful minister will read scripture to you. Not what he thinks, not what the coolest new author says, not what that academic scholar says, not what uh, that favorite preacher of his says, not what he learned in talking with somebody, not that twist on a thing that sounds so new and fresh. Not all that, but he will, he will break open the Word of God with you. A faithful minister devotes themselves also to exhortation. What does that mean? That means that... That minister devotes themselves to want to build you up, to comfort you and encourage you in the Word of God. To read the Scripture and to encourage you with the Word of God. And so he has to quote, he has to quote the Word, he has to know the Word, he has to show you the Word to be able to build you up in the Word, to exhort you in the Word of God. And faithful ministers, Paul says, devote themselves to teaching. Devote themselves to teaching. You see this theme throughout what he says. They devote themselves to teaching. So you see a focus on the Word of God. And that's what a faithful minister is supposed to have. Read the Word, encourage people in the Word, and teach the Word. That's what faithful ministers are to do. And in verse 15 he says, practice these things, immerse yourselves in them. You can't be a faithful minister if you're throwing things together at the last minute, you hadn't been working on anything all week. You hadn't been, you hadn't been uh, studying and praying and, and preparing yourself all week. And then you're just coming up with something someone shared with you. Or, or you heard someone else preach a great sermon and you're going to do that. Or you read this in a book. You can't be a faithful minister if that's where you're getting your information from, your, your, your messages from. They have to come from you immersing yourself in the Word of God and, and studying the Word of God and you growing in God yourself. And out of that comes your messages. You, can t you should be able to tell that a minister is growing spiritually because of their life and because of their message. And that's what Paul, while Paul says in verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. So you need to watch out for your own life, your own spiritual life. You need to keep that under check. You need to be focused on you being the kind of Christian you ought to be. Instead, instead of acting like you've arrived, you need to realize you've got growing to do. And you need to be continually growing. And keep a close watch on your teaching. Pay attention to what you're teaching and preaching. 
Don't, don't just teach something that, that, that sounds good or that you think will has sizzle to it. No, you, you make sure you're teaching the Word of God. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, Timothy, you better take this seriously. You train yourself for godliness and you teach and preach the Word of God. And you do that and things will be all right. And this is actually a salvation issue because you can lead people astray by teaching the wrong things. Now, turn with me to chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. Look at what he says briefly here in these two verses. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. What he just said previously, you can look at that. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal, the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So in, in chapter 6, Paul says, here's what a faithful minister's life looks like. Here's what you do in your life. You flee, you pursue, you fight, and you take hold of. That's what you need to be spending your time doing in terms of growing, God, growing in your godliness, to grow spiritually. You flee the things that are, that are sinful. You flee those things. You pursue righteousness. You pursue godly things. You fight that good fight of the faith. You don't give up. You persevere and you take hold of that eternal life. And when you do that, that sets an example for the believers. But though that advice, that guidance, that instruction, is not just advice, it's, it's instruction. That's good for every Christian, isn't it? That's good for all of us. All of us need to do those things, to, fight, to flee, pursue, fight, and take hold. That's what every Christian ought to be doing in their life. Not just the ministers in the church, but every Christian ought to devote themselves to that. Now turn to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4, and in these five verses, Paul says uh, something else. And again, I want you to see the theme of the Word of God, the theme of Scripture in the role of a faithful minister. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. He's not joking, right? In other words, you better listen to what I'm saying. I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus, and he's going to judge you. You pay attention to what I'm about to say because I'm not joking around. Verse 2, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." So he says, here's what you do. Here's your job description. You may do a lot of other things. You may help in some different areas. That's fine. But what your main objective is, the main task of your job, is to preach the word. Whether you're a youth minister, the, the, the preacher, an involvement minister, education minister, whatever it might be, your job is to preach the word of God. Not your thoughts, not somebody else's words, but the word of God. And so that's how you know if you've got a faithful minister in whatever capacity. Are they preaching and teaching the Word of God, the sound Word of God? And, 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 that, and, and that 
You need to look for that. And if you don't know it, how can you discern the difference between just some clever words, some good sounding words, some self-help philosophy words, or the actual word of God? So you need to be like the Bereans and compare everything they say, say and make sure you see that in Scripture, that they're preaching the sound Word of God. Now, when is he supposed to preach the Word of God? Paul says you do it in season and out of season. That means when it's popular and when it's not popular. You preach the Word of God when people want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. You preach the Word of God when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. No matter what, it doesn't matter the circumstance, you're supposed to show people the Word of God. And sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's not. And in what ways are you supposed to preach the Word of God? He says, well, you need to do these things. You need to reprove. And that means to point out and convict of wrong. And, and like I said, you can't always go around doing that. That can't be your only mode. But there's times when you need to point out wrong with the Word of God. Not your opinion or your preference, but showing somebody the Word of God. Rebuke is to warn, to, to, to warn somebody, uh, stop that lifestyle, stop that sin, watch out. Or, or even to, to warn to, in order to prevent sin, to prevent that direction in life. So you got to do those things, but you also got to exhort. you got to encourage and comfort people with the Word. Build them up in the Word of God. People need all of that. Sometimes we need somebody just to tell us straight, look, you're messing up. And here's what the Bible says. And sometimes we need somebody to tell us, put their arm around us and tell us, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You can do this. I want to encourage you. Here's what the Bible says. We need all of that, don't we? And all of that helps us. So how is he to do this? The Bible says with complete patience and teaching. Complete patience. That can be hard sometimes. But he tells, he tells Timothy, you be long-suffering with people. Because just like yourself, you're going to mess up. You know it here, but you mess up here, right? And people are going to, we're all the same. We're all going to do that. It takes us a while to change a lot of times. It might take us years to change. And we're hard-headed and hard-hearted sometimes. But he said, you hang in there with people. You be patient with people. You be long-suffering. And you keep teaching the Word of God. And in verses 3 and 4, as he said in 1 Timothy 4, he says again, some are going to fall away, sadly. He reminds them. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody wants it, but people do fall away. And they fall away when they, they, they go and they want to hear something that's easier, something they like better, something that, that makes them feel better, something that just fits what, what they want, their lifestyle, their choice, whatever. They want to hear that. They don't want to hear the, the sound words that might not agree with what they want. And he said, that's sad to see, but that's what some people are going to do. And he tells them, but you be sober-minded. You keep your balance, in other words, when that happens. And you endure any suffering that you may face. And you do the work of an evangelist. Being a minister in whatever capacity is work. It should be work. And you have to work at the things he's already been telling Timothy to grow spiritually. You need to work at studying the Word of God. You need to work at growing in your knowledge and wisdom of the Word. You need to work at your messages. You need to work at the ministry that God has assigned you to do. It's work. And then Paul says, fulfill or accomplish your ministry. Accomplish it. you got to get things done in your ministry. And that the focus of it is in the Word of God. Finally, we see Paul says, why, why, why are we talking about this? Why is this important? In verses 7 and 8, 
He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, Paul's talking about himself, but he's writing to Timothy, but not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Paul says, this is what it's all about, so that people can, find, can, can be awarded their crown of righteousness, to be welcomed into heaven by God on that day of judgment. That's what it's all about. That's, that's why you work at your ministry. That's why you be a faithful minister. That's why you, you try to set an example. That's why you do these things, so that people can go to heaven. This is about eternity. This isn't about uh, uh, earthly things and, and, and just uh, having a job and just doing some things and getting together and fellowship. And, uh, we can do all those things, but this is about eternity. That's what, you're working, that's what your work does. That's what the focus is on. Because we want every Christian to be able to say what Paul says. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the, the course. I've kept the faith. And I get that crown of life. That's what a faithful minister and elders too want for every one of you and for every Christian. For you to be able to say that too and to be welcomed into heaven. If we can help you this morning, if you don't have that kind of relationship with Jesus, it's time to have that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you're ready to start studying. You've got questions and you just don't know. Maybe you need someone to pray for you. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.